0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Only podcast. I am your co-host Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at acsmith06 and at john underscore kirby, and as always, follow the mothership at the only colors. Today is Tuesday, November sixteenth, and John, would we'll be honest, I almost forgot the introduction because it's been that long.
1: Been that long, but the prodigal son returns. <laughs> Austin, welcome back. Things oh that- man. In your in your absence, we had some great guests, and um, but but you know what you know you came back hoops our other prodigal son returned, and um, and the football team is um, playing for some big games so you're just in time.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, on one hand, really bummed that I missed the uh, gloating. Uh, opportunity Hello. after the thirty-seventh 33 game. Uh, on the other hand, couldn't be happier that I missed the uh, post-Purdue uh, meltdown chamber that I uh, would have been in. Um, I have to say just quickly on the Michigan game, just to give my oh. two cents, because I'm, I'm sure people are wondering. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was incredible. I was so <laughs> thoroughly unwell during the second half of that game. So I, I'll give just a quick story. So I was actually flying during the first quarter. And let me, let me give one piece of advice here. Just don't do it. Like if you're, if you're going to fly during a game and, and that you actually really care about, like this Michigan, Michigan state game. Uh, I love my wife now very much. So I let her schedule a flight, perhaps an oversight. So for, I guess first tip would be make sure you check your flight times versus football schedule. Second tip If you're going to be there on the flight and this is unavoidable, uh, I just don't, just go radio silent. Like I should have asked my father-in-law to simply record the game and just gone radio silent, picked it up there, been all good with everything because the first quarter of that game, I'm sure was just horrific to watch in person. I Mm -hmm. guarantee you it was worse to just see the box score updating and to be getting texts from you and seeing all of the tweets just saying, Oh no, oh God. 93 yard touchdown to Andrell Anthony, and just being like, you know what, just take the plane. Just take the, you know what I mean? It was like, God, take the wheel at this point. Um, watching, I will say, so I got back to my, to my now in law's house probably about halftime, got to watch the second quarter on my phone. So, I uh, got to have a full on panic attack when Aiden Hutchinson almost, mm-hmm. uh, or Ojabo, whichever one it was, almost had that, that game ender at the end of the first half. Great call by the refs, by the way. Really. I, I thought they nailed it. Um, the, I was having a panic attack during that. Got to the in-laws' house. Got to watch the second half there. Starts out, we've got like seven or eight people staying in the house. Uh, everyone's in the living room with me. And I'm not just good. like, not yeah, good. Man, I'm, I'm really not, not good. seeming like a mentally healthy individual at that point in
1: and you're trying to make good um, impressions all the way around. I'm
0: trying, like, yeah, like, you know, I've known them for years now. They love but me still. still, but I'm still just like, oh, boy. Um, and so, you know, Michigan goes up, I think it was 30 to 14. Uh, and I, it's think, an insurmountable I, lead. I think I said ball game out loud to my father. I'm like, that's it. Like, I thought I, I thought it was over. I'm sure I'm not the only one, but uh they score, you know, start to come back a little bit and I'm, I'm like jumping around. I'm moving. I'm, I'm falling to the floor. I'm everything. Next thing I know, I look around and everybody's gone. My at the time, fiance, both, uh, in-laws, everybody's just left because yeah. they can tell that I'm sim, I'm simply not able to be around people at this point in time. And so it keeps coming. They keep, you know, creeping, creeping, creeping back. And then I am, I am, doing all of the motions of somebody that's screaming at the top of their lungs with no sound, which I think makes me probably seem like an absolute psychopath. Uh, why? Because you thought they were there. I thought everyone was sleeping. <laughs> I thought everyone was taking a nap. Like I, I seriously thought I was like, Oh, it's, you know, it's whatever it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Everyone's probably just taking a nap or the babies are down or whatever. And I, cause no one said anything. They just all left. They just weren't there anymore. I missed the transition period. Um, <laughs> turns out they were all just in different rooms, leaving me to my, to my lonesome. And then literally game ends. Ashley, my now wife runs in and is like, they won. Like, Oh my God, aren't you happy? She's like, Oh, you know, and and everyone kind of like comes out of the woodwork and they're like, Hey man, you all right? Like, way to go, buddy. (laughs) Did you you play it off? Like you didn't care. You're like, nah, I mean, it's like, whatever. (laughs) I couldn't put words together. (laughs) Like, I, I, I couldn't put census. That was – and, again, I know we've lost since then. I know we've got other stuff to talk about here. But, like, it's I really it. think that was – that's a top, uh, I don't know, man, three MSU over Michigan game. I think he's got a very real case at the number one uh, yeah. game ever. up there? That was – I think the best one for me well I well, I – it will there will never be a better one than Trouble with Snap. No no moment will ever be as hilarious as that. But the Correct. Kenneth Walker five touchdown game against Michigan, ugh, I mean that that'll live in a very special place in my heart for, for a long time. So that's my opening monologue. Uh-huh. Uh and now we have more stuff to talk about, but that was, I just wanted to give everyone an update on on that. And guess what? Didn't watch a snap of the Purdue game. I was busy getting married. Nothing, nothing. I wouldn't let anything ruin that game for me. So like two sets of good decisions there.
1: I think my favorite part is uh, knowing that you were getting married that day, being fully conscious that you were probably at the altar and yet still texting you all of my <laughs> anger. Knowing it wasn't gonna go anywhere, but it needed to be out of my body.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, but listen, I am the void. You know what I mean? Like, when, 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 <laughs> I should give out my. Well, no, I won't do this. But you know, I, I, if anybody just wants to tweet their angry thoughts at me, as long as they're not directed towards me, I'm okay with being your, your anger sponsor. Whatever
1: you need, man. Oh shoot. Yeah. So yeah, we back since then, and we mentioned, you know. Purdue lost, no big deal, which is we all calmed down and realized it's all still in front of us. Basketball team um, lost to Kansas, but bounced back against Western. Let's talk about that really quick before we get into the huge um, football week uh, and recap yeah. of what's to come. Because you know, as you mentioned, the Kansas game, uh, or I did, it, it was left a lot to be desired. There were some, there were some areas where we were like, okay, there's there's something here. And then they played Western, and don't get me wrong. Western Michigan is a very poor team. I don't know if they're going to win eight games this year. doesn't really matter to me because you saw a lot of good. You saw a lot that could be cleaned up, and that's my favorite part is Michigan didn't play particularly well, and they Mm -hmm. won by 44. And I don't remember – well, I know last year they certainly didn't beat anyone by, by those margins. You know, this doesn't necessarily mean it translates to this being, a, you know, a much better team than last year's team, but you can certainly take away the fact that they didn't really play that well. They're still definitely, you know, kind of figuring themselves out, as most teams are, but they won by 44. And, like, I don't know, There's, there's, there are nuggets in there that, we, that you can take and, and carry over to the next game, the next week, the next month. And um, some of those are still to be determined. But, you know, for me, it's everyone is still trying to find their role a little bit, which Mm -hmm. is fine. But I think I wanted to ask you this question. I I don't know. Uh, I think we all thought this this starting package was pretty close to finalized. And then you start to see some of the backups come in and not just maintain the level. But surpass it, and I know it's only been two games, but I don't know. You got to start asking some questions, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I will tell you. Uh, on that note, all the AJ Hogard stock I bought last year skyrocketed. Oh,
1: You're a millionaire.
0: I got to. I'm sure there's episodes of this show where I was. I've been all over saying I think Hogarth's going to be a good one, and he's showing why this year. I mean, he looks completely different. So, uh,
1: well, he's an uh, Jason,
0: may- maybe Jason Novak is his whole program is really just uh, really coming to life, even in um, even in the basketball program. Sure. Uh, but he looks totally different. Making jumpers. He's got that natural vision. I mean, he had seven assists against against Western. Uh, he had four against Kansas. Led the team in scoring against Kansas. Made three, seventeen points. Um, he's he's so the, that, he's the guy that can
1: get to the basket, and that's something exactly that he struggles has struggled with since Cassius departed. Yep.
0: Uh, yeah, he, he gets down. He gets downhill. I think you know. Just to go back to the Kansas game, tough debut for Tyson Walker. Uh, got into foul trouble early. Um, didn't even attempt a three. You know, that, that's one that I, I kind of throw out. Um, I think it's Kansas team is going to be pretty darn good. Remy Martin's <laughs> a really nice player. Obaji's really good. Yeah, good. Uh, he didn't even, didn't even get much from Braun, who I know is a big player f- for them. And, uh, they're arguably their best player. Um, uh, the small forward who was at one point almost committed or was committed to Michigan, Jalen Wilson, yeah. um, uh, didn't even play in this game. So I think this Kansas team, you're looking at a bona fide top. Like, I think a championship type of uh, contender in, in Kansas. And to be honest with you, MSU hung with them for a lot of this game. Uh, they were, I think they were leading with the minute left in the first half. And then Kansas went on this little run. Um If I'm taking anything away from these first two games, though, well, I guess Kansas, it is what it is. You knew you were going to lose that game. So be it. Move on. Um then you can, com- you, you kind of combine that with the, the Western game and it, it's tough to like look at trends or anything. Sure. But the scary part for me already, first thing that, that I'm looking at is that this team still can't shoot from three. Yep. Um, four of 19 against Western, seven of 20 against Kansas. Not great, but, but not, not awful. Not great. Um, that's going to be a theme, I think. Uh, that's going to be something I know we've. It, it was obviously almost historically bad last year, um, and you have some better shooters on this team. I think I don't think you're going to see a lot of nights from Max Christie where he goes one of six. I don't think you'll get a lot of overs from Gabe Brown like you saw in this game. But these guys need they put it to put it bluntly, you can't have those nights against good teams uh, if you're <laughs> Michigan State. <laughs> quite, quite simply, the the margin for error talent wise here is just not. um it's just not there, especially early in the season before some of these guys carve out their roles. I mean, Hogard Akins, I think, is showing that he is going to be a player that can absolutely get minutes here. Uh, I think the center rotation, center rotation, to me, will be really interesting. Um, I just don't know. I mean, like you, you, you know, I I will say that I think the the big takeaways, like if you kind of zoom out basketball and uh, holistically. This is going to be, and I feel like we say it every year, but this is tr- this is truly making me think of like a very classic Michigan State team, where they are just a bunch of pieces at the beginning of the year, but maybe by the you know the beginning of the Big Ten season, midpoint, you know, early to midpoint of the Big Ten season, they start to get rolling, have a little bit of lull in the middle, and then really start to peak at the end. I mean, we've seen this cadence from time as Izzo teams, time and time again. The pieces are here. You know, I think that's kind of what you were saying is the pieces are here for what could be a really good team that likes to run a lot offensively and a team that uh, can can play a little bit defense and cause some problems with their length. Um, I like a lot of the pieces. It's just where, you know, the things they're going to have to grow if they want to do anything of significance in a, in a pretty good conference.
1: Well, <clears throat> you, you mentioned the three-point shooting. That was uh... – the canary in the coal mine during the exhibition games, and if you're not hitting against Division two opponents, it's not just a bad day. You just you just can't shoot. So this is as you mentioned is going to have to be a Michigan State team that gets grimy buckets, junky buckets, AJ Hogard buckets, and they're also going to need to um, continue to rebound the way they have. They out-rebounded Kansas pretty handily, I believe by forty to thirty. They out-rebounded Western Michigan 58-28, to 28, and that's pretty impressive. The You know, for all, you know, that Hauser gets a lot of guff, of specifically on defense, he, he rebounds really well against, um, you know, lesser-than opponents. You hope it, that can take the next step. You hope Bingham continues to be a, a an aggressive rebounder, not just a put-my-hands-up-and-hope rebounder. And then everybody else, you kind of <clears throat> look around and say, okay, um, Gabe's athletic enough. Emily calls a grinder. Marvel's going to get his. It's just going to be found, I guess what I'm saying, is, is in the margins. In the last piece that this, we're going to continue to harp on the rest of the year. I'm not sure of it. Who's the guy? Because mm-hmm. they going to be in a lot of close games because they've kept themselves in it much in the way they kept themselves in it with Kansas, not quite to the finish line, but for a majority of it, despite being a lot less talented. There are about five teams in the Big Ten that are uh, more talented than this Michigan State team. Mm-hmm. And Michigan State will keep it close with a lot of those teams by, for some of the reasons we already mentioned. Three-point shooting, three, but everything in between. So when push comes to shove and it's it's winning time, who's the guy and right. i don't know i don't know like aaron henry at least had a move like a thing i i couldn't tell you i wouldn't even know where to start and th- so this team's going to have to figure that out together and maybe it's a <clears throat> dude by committee but that gets dangerous
0: yeah i mean that, that that's where you really want to see Tyson Walker step up and be be the impact player that they they brought him in to be. I mean, your best teams it's like a, you know, it is always says it about the um you know, my best teams are when I have a coach on the floor. It's Kind of the same it it's and typically that's a point guard, right? Like it's the guy with the ball in his hands. Same deal here your closer's got to be the guy who has the ball in his hands the most or maybe the second most. That's going to inherently be Tyson Walker, Max Christie.
1: Max Christie, oh.
0: that's an awful lot to ask out of a true freshman, although it is college basketball. That happens a lot nowadays. But, uh yeah, you're probably looking at one of those two. I, because A.J. Hogarth, I think for as much as he's going to give you until he gets a consistent jumper, you
1: can you get know? you late
0: buckets and go get, go get fouls. get the like, thing, though.
1: That's the thing Austin is like, and yeah, maybe he is that guy. Is he the guy, you know, it's two games in, right? But this AJ Hogart is a completely different player.
0: I yeah, yeah, take that back.
1: He's the same player. He's more fit and he's more under control and he looks more, a year more comfortable.
0: But, well, you wonder long-term, I'll be interested to watch uh, how much we see him and Walker in the backcourt together because I know I mean. Walker. Well, yeah. One of Walker's big things is he can play a lot off the ball too.
1: Well, a lot more to come. There's another big game this week, Gossip, playing um, at Hinkle, playing at Butler. And this is a team that is maybe not uh, your older brother's Butler, um, a team that is going to be, um, certainly not, not terrible, probably, um, but not nearly the level of where Kansas was. Um, this is one I wish I could have gone to actually first. Yeah. First of all, Butler, I think is a bubbly team. I know we're, we're only two games into this season, but I'm saying as far as talent is concerned, this is going to be a team that, uh, is going to need a, a few marquee wins. And, you know, Michigan State is certainly a marquee name. I don't know if it'll be mm-hmm. a marquee at the end of the year, but it'll certainly be something that th- I think they might need. Um, they are their three and on the season so far. It's nine point win over IUPUI. I mean their IUP eyes. I just, I just, pooey, pooey, t- terrible. Uh, Thirty-two point win over Central Arkansas. They're much better. Eleven point win over Troy. E- I don't know. All kind of building to this moment of what should be a pretty evenly matched game. Um, you know, this is a team that is going to be uh, led by Jared Bolin. Um, he's one of the, he's a senior. Um, he's a guy that you start to wonder also, Austin, is Gabe Brown going to start to get that assignment, you know, that <laughs> Aaron Henry was burdened with as well? You know, the, mm-hmm. the, well, who, who do you, who are we going to put on their guy? And Gabe certainly has the length to, to do that on a lot of different types of players. I'll just be curious to see if he steps up and says, I want it or, um, you know, is, is, is this something you say you, you max Christie's strength or length? Definitely not strength. Um, so TBD on that. You would hope that Marcus Bingham has a nice game. Uh, yeah. John, John Michael Malloy is a 6'10 kid, but besides him, there's not a ton of real height. So, um, Marcus Bingham is going to have a, a, an advantage here you wonder if he can start to use it because Marcus Vinham loves himself a fadeaway and there's no need you're fading. No one can block the shot. You just need to, you don't have to fade and he's kind of not quite maximizing his height in the way that we saw Aaron Henry maximize his height, you know, only being six, six, but getting down to the basket and just kind of big boying you. I don't know if Marcus Bingham has the strength to Big Boy the way Julius Marble can, but we got to start to use that frame, especially against undersized opponents like, like a Butler. So it's not a knock on Bingham. I think he is a key in finding his way though. But um, yeah, I mean, this is one you'd like to win. I mean, they, they should definitely be able to compete. This is one I think that you would look back at the end of the year and say, this one might help, with the tournament, because right? I may as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, this would be. Yeah, I mean, I you know, without having had watched Baylor, or Baylor Butler play yet, and looking kind of at their team, I mean, their three leading scorers, Chuck Harris, Jair Bolden, and Jaden Taylor, are all under six four. Yeah, uh, so it's a very much a small three guard team. Uh, Bryce and Zay uh, is kind of like their four, but he checks in at six seven, and Ty Gross really is their center. And he's at all of six eight um he's not very there's n- there's just simply not a lot of size here, and you already pointed it out against teams uh, you know a, a Kansas team with some size david McCormick, big uh center MSU more than held their own on the glass. I would expect them to dominate the glass <laughs> in this in in this game um it's just I mean it's gonna talking about Michigan state basketball every year is more or less the same conversation can they limit turnovers Mm. uh, and can they shoot? Those are like the two conversations since Cassius Winston left that that we've had. Um, If they can make shots and be somewhat efficient on offense, uh, get out and run a little bit and then win, you know, get those. I'll put it this way. Defensively, if they can make Butler one and done, get out and run and get some easy baskets, going to go a long way towards winning this game. Offensively, Again, that transition offense is huge. Uh, The offensive glass, again, a place I think they have a huge area of opportunity. Bingham, to your point, very much a player could have a big game here. Personally, I'm looking at Joey Hauser because Joey Hauser is another dude who has been dominating glass thus far, had 12 rebounds against Western Michigan uh, and should be in line for another big game here. So this is one where if your front court struggles in this game, it is a big big red flag for the rest of the year. Because this front court doesn't have it's at depth, it just doesn't have it doesn't have a bona fide star right now. Um and, and again I think this you know to me this is this is one where you've got to win those battles. Otherwise it's you know, you're 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 in for uh, a long year. So as much as I respect Baylor, Baylor, um, God, Butler, um Do you respect him? I guess not. Uh, I do respect Baylor. Um, this is a game I think Michigan State should be able to go in and win. And, and to your point, this this one at the end of the year, um, yeah, it's tough. I, again, I would my last point of this game, I'm interested to see if they try to go small at all in the backcourt and play some of those two-point guard lineups.
1: You know, Austin, you talked about the turnovers, and I just have a quick thought on that. You wonder why? why is this – not just a problem. This is not a aberration. This is kind of part of the gig with Tom Izzo now. It's mm-hmm. just what kind of comes with Tom Izzo teams. And, and unfortunately for him, that's going to be associated. And you have to ask yourself, why? Like why? How? Why would this a really talented program consistently struggle with that one thing that seemingly most programs don't? And I don't know if this is the answer but, but I'll give a thought. Michigan State is a team that defensively, as you already talked about, the scheme, we'll talk about defensive scheme a lot in this podcast, I think. The defensive scheme for the basketball team is force, uh, straight up man to man, a little bit of switching and force the team to take jump shots. And if not, if they get it to the post, really make them, um, earn straight up over the top and, and then everyone crashes, uh, for a rebound. So there's no offensive rebounds. It, it's worked. It's worked for two decades. MSU is consistently one of the better defensive teams in the country. And I think when you practice that every day, that means you're not practicing against anyone who's overplaying the dribble, who's jumping uh, passing lanes, who who's really providing any type of ball pressure of any significance um, beyond the three-point line. and you know, you just, when you don't practice against that kind of stuff, even if you know how to do it, it's just a different thing in the game, and, and it's turned up to 11 all of a sudden, and you haven't simulated it the entire year. You remember the Illinois game, uh, was it three years ago, when MSU had closing on, like, oh 25 third turnovers, maybe more. It was an adventure, and I'm not saying that that is where we're at today. I, I'm I just wonder if it's because this is a program that practices a very different style um, and they, they don't really prepare for that type of, of defense, and, and that leads to some problems.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, something very real about that. I mean, you, that's, people always bring it up about Syracuse's zone, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't practice against it, so teams aren't familiar with it. They run it so well that, you know, you, you you struggle with it. I think there's probably something to be said for MSU doesn't face a ton of great ball pressure in practice. And, and it's come back to bite them in the last few years. And so I think that'll be a theme to look for. Three-point shooting will be a theme to look for. Can we get somebody in the front court that can, and that might be Gabe Brown even, that uh, can be like a consistent force? And then who grows? I think we've already seen Hogard take a step, uh, clear a step forward so far this year. I think we've seen that Jaden Akins is going to be a contributor as a true freshman. Max Christie, obviously, uh, is, is somebody that can be there. But who of these, and, and you know, I, I include Tyson Walker and the new faces, but who of these old faces is going to, aside from Hogard, really step up? Is Joey Hauser going to take a next step and, and add something to his game? Is Marcus Bingham finally going to do learn something offensively? Is Gabe Brown going to become more than a corner three drive and dunk guy? To this point, haven't seen a lot of that from any of them, uh, and you have to wonder if that's you know going to going to change it all moving forward. Because again, you said it earlier. There's five, at least five teams in the Big Ten, probably about five, that are more talented than than this team. But that doesn't mean that Michigan State can't beat any of them on a night in and night out basis. We've seen them do it before, but. They are going to have to execute. They're going to have to have an identity. They're going to have to play their own brand of ball uh, in order to win those games because they don't have that top top flight talent like they, they may have had in the past. So um, those are all things I'm I'm looking for. But this Butler game would be a, a real nice, uh, real nice first one to get. Not as would probably put Michigan State uh, very close to the top twenty five.
1: Austin, this was a great to have you back. This segment. What do you say we take a commercial break? We've tried those. Yes. I don't know how well they've gone, but we'll see. Let's
0: give it a we shot. May, we're going yeah, gonna, gonna to try it. All right. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. Then we're back. Okay. Yeah. Basketball. Out of the way. We got a lot more of that this year. What we don't have a lot more of, football.
1: Maybe. Wow. Maybe. You say that. Maybe. Wow. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. Start it I don't so, know, Jim. <laughs> you know, Michigan State did play uh, this past week against Maryland. A team that, um, not so great. But you know what? lot better than i think we gave we the collective we the royal we give them credit for they're five and five that is not a good team that is not an awful team okay and msu won handily 40 to 21 in a game that maybe felt a little shakier than it actually was uh considering the final score there seems to be a lot of nervous Nellies about the the defense here. And I think when your offense is scoring 40 points a game, we're focusing on all the wrong
0: things.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, I mean, I do want to talk about this game specifically. Let's do it. Uh, well, yeah, but my first overall note is is to the Michigan State Fan base. Like, who, who are we? Who do we want to be? Like, you made such a good point. Michigan State scored 40 points in this game. Let me take you back to literally last year and the, and the preceding decade. But let's talk about the offense. Or what you would maybe what whatever this excuse for an offense was. Even in Michigan State's best years, and I wish I had looked this up before we signed on. I don't know how many times they topped forty points with Connor Cook as quarterback. How many? It can't possibly have been that many. Uh and yet here they are averaging damn near that every single week, and all of a sudden we're upset about the defense. Listen pick a side, which one, what's it going to be? You you can't, we're not Ohio State. We'll obviously talk about, we're not Alabama. We're not Georgia. We don't get to have, and so few do, get to have these perfect teams that are great on both sides of the ball. You need to be comfortable with one or the other, as we were for so long with this dominant defense and this OK offense. you got to pick one and understand that there are flaws with the other. And to be quite honest with you, when you look at the numbers, much like when you look at a starting pitcher in baseball, an ERA maybe not the most uh, telling of stats anymore. There are some other ones. Same deal goes for this defense, where you get the real value of what this unit does when you get past some of these surface level numbers. In this game in particular, surface level numbers twenty one points. Okay, where's the where's the complaint? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see it. You get below to some of the other numbers. And once again, I'm not that mad about this, this team. Michigan's, what Michigan State's defense does is they give up the, the short pass. We've talked about this so many times, but we give up, they give up those underneath passes, but they don't give up anything big over the top. They haven't been beaten deep over the top, like on a true bomb. And again, I didn't watch Purdue again, hand up. I haven't seen it happen this year. Now, there was the big play by Andrell Anthony, but that was not a – he wasn't running straight down the field. He ran across the formation and just Xavier Tenderson took a horrible angle. Like, they don't get beat over the top, so they're 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 limiting those big plays in order to keep things in front of them. Now, it works against teams like Maryland where they shoot themselves in the foot, uh, they drop a pass, they get tackled behind the line of script, whatever it is, they don't make all the right decisions. But when you look at these these numbers, a couple of things we pointed out all year. The reason why Michigan State does that is because they'd rather you try to do it that way than try to run the ball. And teams don't even try to run the ball anymore and control the clock because Michigan State stuffs them. Maryland ran for ninety seven total yards on twenty five carries. Now that stats are counted a little bit weird in uh college football, where I believe sacks are taken out of rushing instead of out of the um Uh, Whatever. Uh, So these numbers may be slightly misleading. But the fact of the matter is they held another team to under four yards a carry, Um, way under that. Uh, Offensively, uh, to a fast, to a a furious Tonga Valoa threw the ball 48 times for 350 yards. That's okay. We want them throwing the ball that many times. Um, You're making them execute time and time again. And when you open up most college quarterbacks like that, they're going to make a mistake. And that's exactly what Tonga Vailoa did, throwing that huge red zone interception. Uh, I mean, he was, had pressure in his face all day, had a couple of intentional grounding calls. Honestly, the defense in this one played really well. And a couple other things personnel-wise, John, and then I want, I'm going to hand it over to you. What this defense requires is really athletic linebackers and really good tacklers in the secondary. The tacklers in the secondary have been there all year. I think I saw Darius Snow miss his first tackle in this past game. Yeah, um, Henderson, great tackle. Gross, great tackler. Ronald Williams, tremendous tackler. Kimbrough's fine, but then Chuck Grantley always competes, even though I know he didn't play in this one, or the one I think he might be done for the season. But fact of the matter is, they've got that. They've got a great defensive front four against the run, another thing that's good to have. They also typically have one really athletic linebacker in Guerrero's crouch. He did not play in this game, which is why you saw, saw so much Ben Van Sumeren and so much uh, Noah Harvey. Now, to Harvey's credit, made a play when he needed to make it, make one of the bigger plays in the game. Um, but if you notice Ben Van Sumeren in space against crouch in space, you'll know how they took a gigantic step back. Uh, in that athleticism category, and it showed up in this game a little bit. Uh, without that athleticism at linebacker, you end up with a lot of the stuff that happened last year when you're trying Chase Klein and Harvey out there, getting beat to the outside with runs, getting smoked in pass coverage. That hasn't been as big of an issue this year because of that athleticism of not only Crouch, but Cal Halliday as well. Uh, and because they didn't have their Crouch element in this one, it definitely came back to bite him. So, Let's not get ahead of ourselves and get super critical of this defense because while, yes, they give up yardage, that's by design. Um, and honestly, if you're going to complain about him giving up 21 points to a bowl team, I hope you can find something that brings you happiness. Godspeed.
1: Austin, we missed you, man. <laughs> that. that was well said.
0: That was a speech. Sorry. You
1: uh- you uh, you asked, you know, how many 40-point games did we have with Connor Cook? Uh, I believe 13. And I think... In that three years. In three years. And then from 2016 to 2020, you should say it had five. Five. Year, five. Five. Five? In, in 2016, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Okay. So I'm not saying that we needed to be okay with that. It's just, I think it's okay to not, I mean, people want to get mad, get mad. I'm not going to gatekeep your emotions, but like, it's not worth it, man. Like, just beat the piss out of a bowl team. And like, they did it with, you know, average talent on defense. That's what's so beautiful about this, dude, is you got a team that, that on the defensive side, these coaches have come in and have done something, created an opportunity for Michigan State to be in a position to be in a college football playoff conversation in mid-November. That's insane. That's insane. When you look at rosters to rosters across the board, you, you, uh, the whole two deep, four deep, whatever you want, these coaching staff took, took this talent, defensive talent, which has some really nice pieces, but also has a lot of areas where they need to get better and improve um, from a personnel standpoint, not just from a um, tactical standpoint. And they put them in a position and so that MSU could be nine and one. And if that means you're going to see a lot be last in the country in pass- giving up passing yards, it's by design. It's by design.
0: Guys, take a step back for a second. I do want to dive into the offense here because they deserve a lot of credit for how they play in this game. Michigan State is 9-1, and one, John. Know. You said that. On this podcast, I said the eternal optimist, which is not typically my M.O., but I said I think it's not out-of-this-world ridiculous to think that they could end up winning eight games. In 10 opportunities, they have already bested that. The, and I think that gets lost on people. Like, I understand that the expectations can change as the year goes because, you know, this is a team is better than we thought, quite frankly. However, when you I look at – however, when you frame, frame it this way, this is a different way to look at it. The worst thing that could happen this regular season, the worst outcome sitting here today, is that Michigan State goes 9-3 and three with a win over Michigan. If I told you that at the beginning of this year, that I can guarantee you that happens. Every single person that's listening to this, my myself included in this everyone, the royal we, as you said, everybody would have done that in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. Just about any season, I would consider signing up for a package like that my new yearly subscription to Michigan state football. Uh, And yet people are getting frustrated. It's okay to get frustrated, but like the fact that Michigan state is in the, in the quote unquote, in the hunt graphic or getting talked about the fact that we're getting upset about Michigan getting rated ahead of them in the college football playoff when it doesn't matter at all. And the fact that it literally makes no difference because Michigan state is everything in front of them in the middle of November is insane. It is insane, and so let's just let's let's be mature. Let's take half <laughs> step back, big deep breath, and just enjoy the fact that we are even in this. Th- that the expectations have reached the point that they've reached because it's quite frankly incredible.
1: It's a, it is a dream season so far, and um, Maryland played right into Michigan State's hand. You know, yep. MS, MSU wants your quarterback to throw fifty times a game. It, exactly. And I think, you know, the, the reason why is because frankly, college quarterbacks aren't good, dude. They're not. <laughs> like, there's a reason only like two of them maybe, you know, actually find any semblance of success at the next level per year. Right. And that might be even be a lot when, if you, if you want to subjectively talk about what does success mean? Right. The re, the reason they're <laughs> not very good. And so you say, Hey, man, I, why don't you throw it 50 times and see how that works out for you? And and none of them are going to be, like, man-to-man over the top. So you don't even get to rely on your athletes to go make plays for you. You're going to have to take what we give you. And you're going to have to never get greedy. And Cade McNamara, last play, interception, trying to get greedy. Oh. Get right into the hands of Michigan State. Right? I mean, yeah. for all intents and purposes, Everyone wants to wax so poetic about how well Cade McNamara played, which he did. Played right into the Michigan State's hands. It's exactly what we want him to do. Did not want Hassan Haskins to, and Blake Corum to be uh, winning that game for them. Cade McNamara would have to win that game for him. Couldn't do it. To, <laughs> yeah. to his little brother? Couldn't do it. 350 yards you'll point at and say, we, he tore him up. Did he? Because the goal for Michigan State uh, defense is, you're going to get yards. We're going to let you get yards. We we want you to have to execute underneath. Underneath the problem, and here here's where it gets a little shaky for Michigan State. They want you to have to earn long drives because mm-hmm. long drives are so difficult um, at this level to sustain. The watch out is how fast Maryland scores on their three drives took a total of about three minutes and 40 seconds of game time for all three drives combined that that can't happen it happens so fast and I'm not going to make excuses for that for this defense but you know you talked about how there is there was Crouch was missing that's that is I think a much bigger deal than, than people will realize no mm-hmm. hard played pr- really well you know for, for all of his limitations. But when you start to play at a, a level and speed um, that that this type of scheme is going to ask of linebackers, it's really hard between the 30s. But then once you pack it yeah. back in in that red zone, it's a little easier on them, right? So, yeah. and then and guess what? Where did Noah Harvey succeed and play well? Right there. So these coaching staffs are putting the personnel they have in positions that they can succeed that's why you're going to see 10-yard 10, 10 cushions on corners. It's not going to be fun. It, it sucks. It's not fun to watch. I get it. It's like third and 10, and you're like, why are we off the line of scrimmage? Hey, I'm not going to tell you that that's good. I'm going to tell you that the goal is to not allow any explosive touchdowns. Yep. That's it. Just keep literally. and it's worked. And it's worked, it's worked. Because that's how they beat Michigan, is they yeah. get down to the red zone and made them kick field goals. You don't but, win games with field goals,
0: not against this offense. Well, that's just it. I think you hit on a key point. This defensive scheme works because of the offense. Mm-hmm. Like, because, If this team couldn't score the way that they score, we'd be singing a very different tune because you would have to play to that. You, you would just have to do more as a unit. But
1: it's, it, Right.
0: But, but I think we
1: saw game one, first play of the game, First game touchdown, they dropped thirty eight points mm-hmm. in that game. And all of a sudden you could look up and down and, and, and Mel and, and Crew and Jay Johnson were like, We got guys. Yep. Okay. We we can do what we want to do on defense now because we can feel comfortable being a top thirty scoring offense in,
0: in the country. That's pretty cool. Like, I'll take that. I mean, I think with that <laughs> What that does for any fan is I don't think – MSU hasn't really – they found themselves in one big hole this entire season. And, again, I didn't watch Purdue. Uh, And they fought back from it against Michigan. And it wasn't like they went out and threw a bunch of bumps. They just kept their game plan. And that's where that, that, that keep chopping, that whole neutral thinking, the way that Mel Tucker ingrained that into his program, I think you're seeing the dividends of it. Uh, very, very um, concretely, you're ten games into the season. You're still doing the same thing. This is who they are, uh, and it's 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 very exciting to to watch. I mean, Kenneth Walker, uh, he's all but guaranteed a spot in New York. Whether he mm-hmm. wins the Heisman or not is honestly at this point I won't call it irrelevant. But again, you talk about the in the hunt graphic. You talk about just just even having the conversation. Period. The fact that Michigan State is going to send a player to New York for the Heisman ceremony That's a wild is thing. insane. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Who is the last player that we sent? Did Charles Rogers go to the ceremony? Couldn't even tell you. No idea. Couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. Even if he did. Let's say he did. In what year? 2000? It's 20 years ago, and it might be the only other time it's ever happened. Cedric Irvin, maybe, or Lorenzo White, probably. Not mm-hmm. Cedric Irvin. Lorenzo White probably was the last one. Sure. Back to the really, matter yeah. is that it is unreal that this is even um, a conversation. And once again, he just keeps going on producing. I, I think the only thing that I'm a little bit concerned about, maybe moving forward, is his ankle. Because his ankle was taped up during this game, um, and he's going to be getting a lot of carries in this upcoming week. So um, the fact of the matter is Michigan State is a great offense. The defense is doing what it's designed to do, and onto Columbus.
1: Well, you know, you mentioned you mentioned uh, injuries. It wasn't just Kenneth Walker third. third. Um, there were backups that stepped up, and there were some backups that didn't fare as well. No Harvey came in for Crouch. That's a huge deal. Um, had some bad plays, had some great plays. Uh, Monterey Foster came in for Naylor, scored a touchdown in the first play. Not bad, right? Um, would love to have Naylor back, but we can't just pretend that losing the fastest player on your team and um, arguably the most explosive offensive weapon, um, you know, from from a pop-the-top standpoint being gone mm-hmm. not a huge deal. It is. That opens a lot of things up for Kenneth Walker, by the way. Uh, and then you had uh, you know Jarrett Horst at left tackle, he's out indefinitely. Uh, Charles Brantley likely gone for the season, unfortunately. Already thin corners. Matt Coughlin um, injured. Your kicker's hurt. Um, and then the D tackle spot got a, got a little thin. Um, Simeon Barrow, I don't believe played, and, and Maverick Henson nope. got, got ejected. Like so, so all of these bad things are happening, right? You know, you, you're looking down the depth chart, things are getting thin. They still produce, you know, they still win by 19. Um, I think we both agree though, I think everyone would agree, listeners, you, you would really want full strength if you're going against Ohio State, because you're going to need that and maybe a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I mean, those players you named, specifically Crouch, uh, and Horst, yeah, I, I Crouch, I assume, I'll put. I'll, I'll go as far as to say I don't think you, you're going to win without Quavera's Crouch playing this upcoming Saturday. Uh, Horse, I feel similarly about, but not to the same degree. But um, yeah, we'll talk about them in a bit. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Simeon Barrow, another really impactful player. So not only did she win this game, not only did put up 40, 40 points, give up 21, did it without a lot of really key players. Um, and there's a lot to be, a lot to be said for that. So, uh, yeah, all in all, nine and one, not mad.
1: (laughs) Nine and one. Um, and, and quick Coughlin watch, as we mentioned, came in. He did kick extra points after Steven Rusnick, freshman walk on, uh, attempted, missed his first. I feel like Mm. it's a good time to remind everyone (laughs) if they didn't know, (laughs) Coughlin has literally never missed an extra point. He's a hundred and forty-three of a hundred and forty-three. That's pretty incredible. Especially because you see what happens when you get uh, you know, uh walk-on freshmen involved. <laughs> so um you you hope Coughlin could get at least kick extra points this coming week, because they're they're gonna need every point they can get.
0: Yes. That would be correct.
1: <laughs> so as we move right before we move to the national results that are on the Big Ten and the week to come, I wanted to point something out. We keep saying this because it's just so freaking awesome. I don't want to stop saying it because the dream season is still alive. Nine and one. The world is in front of ours to take. Mel Tucker is a walking, talking, hyped video. Oh my it's God. Unbelievable. Um, there's going to be a run on drywall, I think. This week in Michigan, because so many MSC friends are just going to be running through walls. Like this dude, he authentically just kicks ass. He says the coolest stuff. And I don't know how when he says it, it's just cooler. But at the end of the Maryland game, as he's standing in the, in the locker room and MSC's uh, Twitter account and Instagram put it out there for everyone, he's just standing in there as the players come in and just going, hell yeah. Hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah! And he's hot, dapping everyone up, and you know what? Hell
0: yeah, he just beat the shit out of a, a bull team. Hell yeah. yeah! And then he keeps saying, "Not done yet." He's just I mean? the coolest dude. First of all, for your drywall issues, we can—we all know we can save big money at Menards. So just—I would—I <laughs> was—you would can, you can nil deal. Anybody?
1: Oh man, uh, I thought you, the pod was sponsored or something.
0: Might be now. Mm-hmm. Mr. Menard, hit me up. Um, who knows? This next commercial break could be a Menard's commercial. Wouldn't that be divine? Dude, uh, anyways. I, I, and the, All I want to finish
1: out with is that this past week, you want to put it into terms that uh, us dummies, Austin, and I can understand, which mm-hmm. is basketball, the favorite song. Basically what we saw was this past week, that was, that was the first round. That was the round of 64 of the NCAA tournament. You got the dub. We got the dub. You now we're the underdog. We're going into the round of thirty two. That's you're playing you're playing the one seed. Okay? Yep. You win that round You're sweet sixteen against Penn State. Elite eight against Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. College football playoff, there's the final four. And that's the situation. You won the first round, survive in advance. You're on to the next one It's time you're at the national stage. Hell yeah.
0: Let's go. Hell yeah, baby. Hell yeah. Uh,
1: Oh, man. Austin, so I'm I'm pumped. Uh, Do you think we should take a commercial break before we go
0: around the week? I think so. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Now we're back again. John, other games were played. Dude. Some of them very embarrassing.
1: Some of them... This is why we love college football. Truly, I can't get enough because of specific things like Kansas at Texas. 57-56 to win
0: in overtime for the Jayhawks.
1: Uh,
0: uh, I I don't know. Like, like the only word I can think of is how. 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 How in the world. How, how does so to so many parts of this? How do you a in general? How do you lose to can? How are you down thirty five to fourteen to Kansas at, at halftime? I don't know. First of all, how does Kansas score fifty seven points on you in your own barn in the year twenty twenty one? How how do you throw? for seven total touchdowns and lose. How does one of your receivers, Xavier Worthy, some of our friends in Ann Arbor might know him, have 14 catches for 152 yards and three touchdowns, and you still lose? I I simply don't understand. How do you allow the final touchdown, excuse me, two-point conversion, to be caught by a player for his first catch of his career? Kansas hadn't won a road game in the Big 12 since 2008. 2008. 2008. I was in college. That's Time insane. Up. These
1: kids, some of the kids on this team, the freshman for Kansas, the quarterback, Jalen Daniels, which I'm sorry, this might be a Jalen Daniels podcast. I'm in. Kid is unreal. I, I highly encourage you to go watch his post-game interview. You, you just want to root for this kid. He he is the most humble, smiliest. He's just all around. He, he's like Ted Lasso. I'm already rooting for him. He's Ted Lasso quarterback. Like, <laughs> like he – and then at the end, you know, they were talking about, you know, hey, do you think your coach is going to take the red – you know, let you um, burn your red shirt to play? And he was like, after your performance, you know, you just the biggest win in, you know, Kansas – maybe program history. And he was like, that's not a decision for me to make, and I trust my coaches implicitly because I'm, I trust their process. And I was like, are you joking me right now? You're- <laughs> <laughs> if I, I'm 18, and I just I couldn't even explain how fast I would have been kicked off the team with the words I would have said. <laughs> after that. Like, yeah. Unbelievable. That kid, let's see, in 2008, how old would he have been? I mean, if he's if he's 18 now, math hard, but five. <laughs> yes. Time. Five years old is last time Kansas won a road game in the conference, and I just it couldn't have happened against a funnier team against Texas. Oh. You know, if it if this was against
0: you know any other Big Twelve team, it just wouldn't be as funny for me. Let me tell you. I, I am embarrassed that I was ever slightly into Texas. Uh, they are four and six. They've lost five games in a row. They're miserable. Like, like, it's, it's really bad in uh, Austin right now. Their star runner, B. John Robinson, is now out for the year, so with a dislocated elbow. Uh, very real chance they do not go bowling. And to think that they paid like 20 something million dollars just to get rid of Tom Herman and bring in Sarkeesian, um, yeah. I kind of feel like they got, they got what they had coming to them. Not necessarily because Tom Herman was this great coach, because I don't think, you know, he'd kind of worn out his, his welcome there, but you got to know better than to hire Sark. Do you? Like you just, that- you, you just got to know better.
1: Yeah. Do you feel, oh, first of all, what did he do that made you say, as the head of one of the biggest, maybe the biggest
0: brand in college football, to say, this guy can run a ship this big? Yeah, right. What? What? Nick Saban. <laughs> Nick Saban held a gun to somebody's head.
1: <laughs> and, then he to, and then we're just
0: like, well, I don't know. I, I don't and they know. all hate him. Yeah. All the guys that play – like, it's – They're going to, the, the, good thing everything's better in Texas. I hope that includes the bankrolls because these guys are going to have to, you can't possibly keep him around. Everybody hates him. He's going to miss a bowl after, in in his first year. Like, with uh, this talent, with the roster? With with a very talented team. Like, a team that went, let me remind you, it looked nine and three, seven and three last year because they've had a couple games canceled. Uh, and let me – well, really maybe getting bailed out by the fact that they had their game against Kansas being one of the ones that was canceled, um, the only one that was canceled. So it, dodged Dodge a bullet them. there. Um, I mean, look, if you look at their losses last year, a two-point loss to TCU, a four-overtime loss to Oklahoma a three-point loss to number 13 of Iowa State. This program wasn't, like, in this, this horrible shape. And that was a year after winning the Alamo Bowl. Dude. Uh, well, which wasn't that was great. I mean, eight and five. But, like. And that was the weird back. Oh, Sugar Bowl. That was the year. They, they should have given him a lifetime contract as soon as Sam Ellinger came on and said, we're back.
1: Oh. It's so funny, guys. I mean, I know. I, and the other piece is just like you feel good for Kansas. Like you just, yeah. Like, come on, like as much as we hate their basketball program, you, no matter how much you hate Bill Self and the, the the cheaters, you have to have some. If you have a heart, you can feel for how terrible. Their football program is, and I know we're waxing on this, but I have to share because this is a weird stuff that I keep track of. And they're for very specific moments, just like this last You mentioned they hadn't won a game, an away game since 2008. Okay. They have won in the last 13 years, 28 games. Dude, wait, wow. 28 games. 2008 they won 8 games and since then they've won 28 games and they've lost 123 games <laughs> they're 8 in 104 in co- in conference play since
0: 2000 <sighs> 8 in
1: 104
0: that doesn't even that that seems impossible
1: oh it gets worse of those 28 wins Nine are against FCS teams. Oh. They have three losses against FCS teams, <laughs> so it wasn't always. That. I like
0: that stat the the most.
1: Nine and three. They had a they had a decent. They had a good season against FCS opponents. Nine and three. <laughs> And then, they, finished,
0: they finished third in the conference that's right. against they have, FCS opponents.
1: They got to go to a second tier bowl after beating after an FCS season, and they were. We talked about the road games since two thousand nine. They're four and sixty four on the road. I, I mean, the level of terrible is unmatched by any stretch. Rutgers is. Alabama by comparison, like the gap is just so massive, and so we're all Jayhawks. I just rock chalk baby.
0: Uh, yeah, rock chalk football.
1: Okay, New Mexico State went into Bryant <laughs> Kenny Stadium, uh, and I said Kenny Bryant Denny Stadium,
0: and um, Bryant many- Brian Kenny famous. <laughs> Sports Center anchor named Stadium. My bad. Okay,
1: they made a huge error, and they should have just taken the check and left. But they did something stupid and went up three to nothing on Alabama, and um, it didn't go well after that. Bama won fifty-nine to three, but this was a very much a stop the count moment for the X. <laughs> they had to like. If I'm, I'm not kidding if I'm their head coach and you kick that field goal, I'm calling a timeout and I'm going to go take photos. I want, I want my team photo on the field, taking photos of the scoreboard there. I want to go full Michigan sideline, like celebrating the turnover. I'm spending all my timeouts, just flexing on Bama and make, I don't care if they get mad, they're going to win by literally as many points as possible. Anyway, no matter what we do. I'm flexing on him. Uh, I'm disappointed that didn't happen.
0: I think my only takeaway from this game is the screenshots live forever. <laughs> it's true. The, the screenshots of this game You were up 3 nothing. You were up, you won. On Alabama. You won. You, you absolutely won. You won time and time and time again and Alabama shame on you for ruining the story. <laughs> shame on you.
1: How many rushing yards do you think New Mexico State hit?
0: Negative 47.
1: Mm. Remember the sack-adjusted stuff.
0: Don't know. 12?
1: Nine. 27. <laughs> I don't know why that number is so funny to me.
0: Single digit really does hit a little <laughs> bit differently. Here's a question I have for you. Does, does a single New Mexico State player make it out alive if they actually beat Bala? Do they get out of Tuscaloosa? Does the bus leave the city premises?
1: You just made a hypothetical that isn't plausible, so I can't even, like, answer. <laughs> it's not, it's not, this is the maybe the worst team in college football.
0: I'm just saying. I,
1: no, I can't imagine what type of scenario. Like, Does Nick
0: Saban get fired?
1: So there was a really interesting... I, gosh, I should have followed him. Guy on Twitter who had an amazing idea about, you know, how there's like relegation. We all agree should happen. Oh, but yeah. because we because it can't, there should be like a get fired bowl. And like yes. a team, like let's say like the Clemson Yukon game that was this week. Oh. Dabo loses that game, he's fired. He loses his job. Fair it's, is fair. It's not up to Clemson. It's just them's the stakes. Uh, same with this one. Like Alabama loses to this, this game, the staff's gone. They have to leave. It, it's over. The dynasty dies. I I love these high stakes situations. Yeah, they would. Likely, uh, sorry, but, go
0: ahead.
1: no, they're unlikely, but I just I love the idea.
0: It's <laughs> must-see TV. I was going to say it's like the the the, the something axe bowl. It just it, ends, it's, it's like the Oregon Axe the squid, Company Axe Bowl. It's the squid game. The someone squid, will, the squid, the squid bowl. Someone will die. Your career yes. will die. One career ends here. <laughs>
1: well, I, th- I think it's fantastic. Um, let's keep going because we've got a lot to cover. Uh, Oklahoma, uh went to Baylor and sh- they are who we thought they were. There was really, uh, here's how you know, uh, PFF is not worth anything. They tried to create this little media network, I think, and they decided for content, they were going to have a roundtable discussion on why Caleb Williams, uh, could win the Heisman. And mm. I get that I'm a KW or a K9 fan. And I would go as far to say an apologist. That's ridiculous. And not, Three days later, this kid, who they are talking about how he could win the Heisman, literally gets benched for playing so poorly in his first real uh, away game. And they, Oklahoma scores 13 points. I would have to say that's the least amount of points Oklahoma scored in, I I
0: would wonder, maybe a decade ever since. Quite some it's been time. S- certainly since Lincoln Riley took over, I would imagine. Um hmm. Yeah, I I'm glad they lost. I'm done with Oklahoma. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I will say, <laughs> I think I'm telling you, Dave Aranda is a yeah. really, really, really good head coach. And yeah. LSU would be if I'm uh-huh. if I'm Washington, I'm calling. Although USC. I don't think you would go there. If I'm USC, I'm definitely call. my only question with USC is I don't know if he, he's not a charisma guy. Yeah. Uh, If I'm LSU, I'm calling him. I'm calling immediately, as soon as I can, because he was my defensive coordinator. He, I think he would be a home run, a home run hire for one of these big programs. I actually think, I don't know if he would leave to go to Washington. I know he has some West Coast connections. I think um, he would be a very, very good head coach at Washington because you don't need that. Chris Peterson is like. The yep. perfect head coach there, and he's Mr. Mark, Very Mark Antonio, subdued personality guy. Aranda, the same thing. He's young. He can recruit. He has put energy back into that Baylor program that was dead for a few years. Um, here's the question. He's also. done a great job, man. But here's the question. If you're a coach that, at his level,
1: but I think we all agree he's he's a good coach, do you want to put yourself in – you want to put yourself in the best position to, to take the next step in your career, which is getting to the playoff. Do you can you mm-hmm. Is it easier to do that in Washington? I don't know. I don't even think so.
0: Like the Big 12 is. Well, I don't know. I don't. The only reason I would say that I would maybe take Washington is because, well, it's a complicated question. I would say the Pac-12 is going to be a much more prestigious conference as soon as Oklahoma and Texas are gone. The irony being that we just talked about both of them losing shitty games this past week. But um, I would think that it, Washington's already made a college football playoff. People forget they got lambasted once they made it. Uh, Oops. Folks. Um, Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think it might be a six and one half dozen the other. I mean, I personally think LSU would be stupid if they didn't give him a long look, but right. um I'm not I'm not sure which way it'll go, but he's he's a really good head coach.
1: Notre Dame, still in the playoff hunt, uh beats the breaks off of a, a really high scoring Virginia team. They beat them twenty eight to three. That was a shock to me. Not that Notre Dame won. I thought they were gonna win pretty handily, but holding Virginia to three points was I think you know, 6-3 and Virginia team, Notre Dame needs to take advantage of every opportunity they have. Uh, Sarah Norris made a good point on the last pod about, like, Notre Dame, you know, long are the days where we just look at Notre Dame's record and go, oh, yeah, they're good. Their schedule's a little propped up to her point about uh, playing all the service academies, you know, uh, throwing Mm -hmm. another pendant here and there. And, you know, this, this ACC little thing is kind of garbage. Uh, you know, the teams they're playing and and as her other point of cracked me up was, we all have the internet now. Like, we can go, <laughs> like, we can see it. It's not good. But at the same time, you know, I will say, Notre Dame still has a national brand and maybe not a, a good track, but they have a, they have a path to the playoff if a few things break their way.
0: Yeah, I, do, I don't see it happening, personally. Um, I think, like you said, a couple of things have to break their way. Notre Dame, this is where Notre, I think this is Notre Dame unless they really choke. This should be their floor should be this somewhat around the playoff conversation. Their roster is as talented as just about anybody's in college football. And, um, I think the only thing that separates them from maybe the elite elites right now is that great quarterback play, uh, which they, I guess Georgia doesn't necessarily have, but, um, they don't have the dominant unit to make up for it otherwise. But, yeah, I I have a hard – the other part with Notre Dame is, is every time they've made the playoff, they've gotten their asses kicked. Yeah. So it's not like they're making it and, and, and doing anything with it. They need – Notre Dame, I think, when they have an actual quarterback, like an actual NFL quarterback, they're going to have – they could be right up there with anybody, in my opinion. They have the talent. Like you said, they have the schedule. Um, every year, I, I don't see any reason they can't be there, but they haven't had that in a long time. So, um, you know but yeah, you know holding awesome. Virginia three is impressive.
1: You know what's awesome though is MSU same record as Notre Dame, and without a doubt, you know this past week MSU was voted the better team. You know, and yeah, um, from a from a program standpoint, I think that's a good thing. You know, just a, a prestigious yes. thing. Um, A really fun one broke out uh, between NC State at Wake Forest. The the Demon Deacons pulled it out, 45 to 42. Wake Forest is fun. Dave Clawson has put together a plucky little program. And I just wanted to comment that seeing both of these teams ranked in the top 16 was very odd. Um, I don't know if they are the two of the top 16 teams in the country, but then again, I don't know who's better. So, yeah.
0: I basically know the top three, and then after that, it's a complete crap shoot. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, another big takeaway here, <laughs> Dave Claussen needs a job. Yeah. Somebody come, somebody come get him because this dude is another guy. I, I, it's another guy who I don't know if he's ready for a LSU. I tell you what, Florida opens up. Him. I'm, I'm I'm calling him. I, I don't care, man. I, I think a lot of programs you could do a lot worse than Dave closet. If he's doing this at Wake Forest, if also by the way, letting a Heisman finalist walk and still doing this at <laughs> Wake Forest, oh, yes. uh, someone's got to come get him because that is that is impressive.
1: Area of opportunity for Dave retaining talent. Uh, mm-hmm. Beyond that, there's a lot of upside. Uh, the Texas A and M went to Mississippi uh and won or excuse me, Mississippi won twenty nine to nineteen. Austin, I, I only bring this one up because today I read an incredible scenario where there is a world where apparently there could be a seven way, six way tie for first place in the SEC West because this yes. was and I, there's like a 0.2% ch- chance of it happening, but that's way higher than I ever would have expected. So um, the chaos scenario is if Alabama loses to both Arkansas and Auburn, if Mississippi beats Vanderbilt and loses to Mississippi State, Auburn beats South Carolina, Arkansas beats Missouri and Texas A&M, or sorry, Arkansas beats Missouri, and Texas A&M beats LSU. We would have a six-way tie for the SEC West at 5-3, and three, and Auburn would go to the SEC Championship.
0: Game. Great. Yes, that's what the world needs is more Bo Nix football.
1: <laughs> It'd be too perfect for this year, though.
0: I'm into it. I'm but- into it. I'm rooting for it.
1: Final one, Washington State went to, uh, Eugene. Oregon won 38 to 24. Relevant because Oregon holds serve, um, and maintains a top four seed, uh, as we approach the final weeks of the season. So,
0: uh, I don't know, man. Is
1: Oregon one of the best teams in the country?
0: I don't know. Man, the, the, that committee is, is all in on big time wins because they are, I think Oregon is alive. Are they? Though?
1: Because MSU's big time win over Michigan might not. Yeah,
0: happen. true. <laughs> oh, shoot.
1: Another Whatever. big time win for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. 30 mm. to 3 over the Indiana Hoosiers, who are, are they, they're at the Texas point for us. We're like, this is embarrassing, man. Like, you're 2 and 8. Dude, eight and 30,
0: 38, 9 loss Indiana, more like it. Mm-hmm. Um, losing by 35 at home to Rutgers typically
1: bad arguably bad
0: summer yeah again i'm no analyst <laughs> but that that doesn't seem great i need a to little me. i need a little you bit. know what though i got to admit this i am enjoying it a lot i'm really enjoying indiana being bad because i i, I really indiana basketball has really just bothered me like, like they, they, their whole, it's the same as Michigan football where it's a completely undeserved confidence thing. Um, like, Hey, we were great 50 years ago, so we should still be great type of deal. And that just, every time I try to, I'm like, Oh, plucky little program. I remember that those are the same fans Mm
1: -hmm. and that's because uh... fans are Notre Dame football fans.
0: Okay. So that makes them worse. Uh, (laughs) But either way, it's all bad to me. Um, so I'm enjoying that they were like, "Oh, we're number 17 in the country," and it turns out it's like, "Nope, you're, you have not won a Big Ten game yet." So
1: you know what's goodbye. Wild. You know what's wild is, you know, not not that this is, you know, maybe where we need to even be at as a program. It's like what some years are just bad years. Like MSU sure. had three and nine year. Who among us? Tom Allen's buyout is. I think, $28 million. Mm -hmm. That is the fifth highest buyout in college football.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's... uh, Hey, man. Dude, good for Tom. I got to give him credit, man. That's a hell of a grift you pulled there, buddy. This is awesome. Indiana, really showing themselves for not knowing (laughs) what good football looks like or how... They don't really know how to equate it, maybe, at this Buddy,
1: point. let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin hosted Northwestern, and um, you're married into the Badger program now, 35-7. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin, don't look now, man. But that offense has gone from atrocious to average. And you pair that with a defense that is at the level of Georgia and Georgia alone you got a decent football team, and I'm not saying they're good. And if you're new to the podcast, the, nobody is good. There's maybe one good team. We believe Georgia is good.
0: Wisconsin's mm-hmm. defense is good. Is that fair? I'll, I'll, I'll give me one second here. I'm pulling up who they've played lately because I just would like to see their schedule. because. <laughs> Ah Yes, it is exactly as I had expected. Here's where I give them credit. Holding Purdue to 13 points is good on the road. That's impressive. Uh You know what's what's not impressive? What? Northwestern stinks. Yes. Rutgers stink. Rutgers isn't that terrible. Iowa. I'd Rutgers to you. it's It's true. Yeah, I mean, listen. Uh, they have a very good defense. It, I am not putting them in the caliber of uh, Georgia. I, I simply won't do it. Um, But, yeah, man, listen, you hold – they haven't given up more than 14 points since they lost to – they had their asses handed to them in back-to-back weeks by Notre Dame and Michigan. But since then – uh, not Let's be real though Not exactly a murderer's row Of uh, opponents they've played since they started One and three Illinois Army, Purdue, Iowa, Rutgers Northwestern Nebraska Brings me to a point that I'll try not to harp on For too long I am so mad At whatever deity Or Big Ten know-it-all Decided not to put Michigan State In the Big Ten West oh. I am. I will oh. never Get oh. over it Michigan State would have been in the Big 10 championship game. They've been there twice. I they would have made it at least at least two or three additional times on top of the two that they already made it. And uh it is infuriating to me because I see I I watch Wisconsin just stumble into a 7 and 3 record. If they were in Michigan State's division, they would be th- 3 and 6. Three and five, math. Yeah. I don't know. But it's just or three and seven? Wow, that's really stupid. Um yeah, I don't know. Whatever, fine. They'll go to the Big Ten Championship game, they'll play Ohio State probably and then lose by a thousand. That's fun for everybody.
1: So here's a here's a counterpoint to that thought, Austin. Does Michigan State reach the levels it had to to beat Ohio State? To 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 Become better programs than Michigan and Penn State. Does that happen if you're in the West?
0: I don't care. You're still in the I, Big Ten championship game. No, no, no. And I'm just, they, they 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 made it there the year the year they made it and beat Ohio State. They they were those divisions didn't exist.
1: No doubt. Because you know just, what
0: I mean. I, getting, I get what you're saying. You want to be the you want to be the best. You got to be the best. I respect mm-hmm. that, and it makes the games fun. But there is part of me that loves hanging banners and would love to just be clowning on, uh, you know, these these second-tier programs in the Big Ten. It would be really fun.
1: Well, and I'm not saying that. I'm saying the Ohio State's level forced yeah. State to get better as a program. Like, it, yeah. it raised the bar for them. It, and, and I don't know if you're going up against, you know, Illinois and Northwestern if that happens. true. Sure. I don't That's know. That's fair. Um, all right. Kids keep moving. So Michigan went into Happy Valley, uh, wins 21 to 17. And this was kind of a no win for Michigan because Penn State did not get ranked by the CFP committee. Um, so this does not even count as a good win for them in the eyes of the committee. Don't let the media tell you that, though. <laughs> there was a parade thrown for Jim Harbaugh, seventh-year coach, in scoring 21 points and overcoming, I believe, his first fourth-quarter deficit since he's been there. Like, my God, have some standards, but yeah, good for them. Happy for him.
0: I mean, I mean, Penn State choked this game away. I mean, they should have been up 14 to three in the first quarter. And instead, I think they failed on on a couple of fakes. Well, I know they were converted one fake punt, but then they failed on a fake field goal try. Um, they should have put this game away early. And Michigan's not built to come back uh, when they're when they're uh, down early. So, um, but that's kind of what Penn State does. And uh, James Franklin is so far out of there too, man. He keeps tweeting this one and zero stuff. It's like, guys, it's only going to work for so long. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I give them a little bit of credit for, you know, Michigan, a little bit of credit for, uh you know, punching back. We've seen them quit sure. in years sure. before, but they, you know, they were losing this game with like five minutes to go and they fought back and they won, which is, you know, that's that's great. But at the end of the day, this, this whole season boils down to one game for them as it, uh, as we've seen, it been ready to do all year. And again, I don't think Penn State's all that impressive, quite frankly. Um, they didn't really impress me much at all this year. But, um, yeah. Hey, listen, it's a uh, it's you know, way to go, Michigan. You 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 won. That's that's great. I mean, it, you, the only thing I'll say again, impressively for me, not even impressively, it's like they have quit in that situation where they've been down so many times and they didn't quit. Um, but anybody calling them special or anything like that is probably overstating the fact.
1: Um, Ohio State beat the brakes off of Purdue 59 to 31. There's only one stat I think they want to take away from this one, because we're going to get into this a lot further in a minute. Five of the eight Ohio State touchdowns came on plays of 20 yards or more. And I know of a defensive scheme that is – predicated on that specific thing not happening. Will it? Mm. I, no, I don't know. But I do know that it's built differently than Purdue's above-average defense, decent defense, that tried to go mano e mano and you, it ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between MSU staff who did lose to Purdue. Don't get me wrong. We talked about it last week's podcast about this. Their scheme is one of, if not the only one, that can really take advantage of of, of the MSU's defensive scheme. The other, yeah. the other one being if you're just elite on both sides of the ball and there are like three teams that are that Ohio State being one of them, but you want to roll the balls out and go man to man against Ohio State up and down the field is what's going to happen. You're going to lose by 30. That's what happened. So <laughs> I mean, I don't know what anyone thought would, have, I don't know what Purdue was thinking.
0: Maybe they just got a little, I don't know. They thought they were this, a tri- Yeah, I got a little fat and sassy after mm-hmm. beating mm-hmm. Michigan State. Um, I mean, credit to them for putting up 31 points, but yeah, this is, you can't, <laughs> the talent gap from any other team in the Big Ten to Ohio State is profound, especially mm-hmm. when that other team is a team like Purdue. You're not going to line up and just play with them. Ever, no one is. Michigan's not. Michigan State's not. Penn State's not. Like, there's Bama and Georgia, and I don't even know who else. Probably just those two. That's Maybe a- Oregon, I suppose. Oregon, obviously, but like that's that's the caliber we're talking about here. You need to have something that you can do to compete with them, and Purdue just doesn't just doesn't have it.
1: Final game uh, for for the Floyd Rosedale Trophy. Uh, hmm. Third best trophy in the conference, only fourth best, only to the land grant, obviously Paul Bunyan and the All Brass Spatoon. But The Floyd Rosedale went uh, back to Iowa City. Only reason I want to talk about this one is uh, Iowa's 27 to 22 win where they were out gained, out first down, out time of possession, out everything. I watched this game with my in-laws while MSU Maryland was on my phone and oh. I deserve. Attaboy. boy. I deserve a pat in the back. That's some good in-lawing, if you ask me.
0: That's some real good in-lawing right there. That's right.
1: I mean, this game was not aesthetically pleasing, folks. <laughs> this
0: was Yeah, I mean, you, three of the four teams you're watching on your two screens there are Iowa, Minnesota, and Maryland. I mean, God, if that's not a Big Ten moment, I don't know what is.
1: Yeah, the edible needed to hit and hit fast. <laughs> um, okay, let's jump. The Nebraska and Illinois are on a bye. This week we got some big... National games, but everyone's playing in the Big Ten. We'll go quickly. Uh, games of really relevance to Michigan State fans are, are are few. You know, when you're up towards the top, Arkansas at Alabama. You know, who knows if if Arkansas can really hang? They they certainly um, overreached expectations, um, kind of falling back down to earth a little bit. But the SEC West is pretty damn tough. So, yeah, come on, Hogs, let's go, Pig, baby. Oregon has to play Utah twice, Uh you know, pr- most likely. They win this game, they're not out of the woods, they're still probably going to have to play them again in the Pac-12 championship game. That always gets funny, you know, where, like, you obviously you're playing to win. You have to win. But when if you know you're playing a team again, you know, what types of advantages are you hiding? You know, it's just it's just interesting to think about.
0: Yeah, I think the thing is for... This might be the one where Oregon uh, blows it, though. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't lose either of these games, which means they have to put all their cards on the table right. in both of them. So, uh, one way or the other, it, I, I'm, I'm a known Oregon stan, but it feels like there's another shoe getting ready to drop. Awesome. I just don't know when or where. It's. This might be it. This is our, oh, national game. Yeah, big time.
1: Uh, SM, SMU heads to Cincinnati. Um, this is probably Cincinnati's. This is a this is a decent test, and Cincinnati's got to be praying that SMU gets tw- ranked 25th or something, because they're not bad. I think they have two losses. Um, but, but this is one if they're not ranked, it's going to be a tough game, you know. And, and they're only going to get dinged like they always get dinged. They're a 12 point favorite, and so even that score, if they even if they cover and win by 13. And people won't realize that SMU
0: is, is actually decent. They're going to get dinged for it. So it, it, Cincinnati has to ask themselves, much the way Michigan State did at one point in time, is it worth making it to get beat by a hundred by Georgia? Because yes. if they fall backwards into this whole thing, that's what will, in all likelihood, okay. happen. I would say yes. Shannon Sharp, and you can say you made it, but Shannon Sharp would say. Ain't no problem.
1: That ain't no problem. Ain't no
0: problem. Mm-hmm.
1: Wake Forest, I agree. Wake Forest goes into Death Valley,
0: and I would love for Dave Clawson to beat Dabo. Oh, man. Love that. Strong agree. I'd like to see anybody beat Dabo. Uh, sure. But, yeah, that would be, that would put the capper on a very, very weird season on for both of these teams. And to be honest with you, I hope it happens because Dave Clawson deserves a good job. If he, if he beats, goes in and beats Clemson, even though this isn't a good Clemson team, again, I hey. think he's getting calls from LSU. I think he's getting calls from Florida. I think he's getting calls from a lot of these teams.
1: Dude, if Wake Forest wins out, wins the ACC, which they should, they're not out of it. They, they have, they would have been undefeated no. in the conference. The North Carolina loss was not a conference game. That was a, That was scheduled by both programs because they didn't have each other scheduled this year in in conference. Oh, wow. Yeah, that did not count. That was a non-conference loss. So Mm -hmm. not out of the woods. Um, Let's go to the Big Ten quickly. Uh, Rutgers at Penn State, huge rivalry game. As you heard when MSU was playing at Rutgers, their student section would often chant F Penn State. And I don't think Penn State knows that Rutgers exists. So
0: that's interesting. Yeah, this is like the Sopranos Bowl. That's the way I think of it.
1: <laughs> oh man, uh, another 11 a.m. kick Purdue at Northwestern. Your Chicago Big Ten team. Uh, this game's at Wrigley Field. Okay,
0: sure. All right. Let's yeah. just let's all be careful about the Ivy. Okay, there's a very difficult, very hard brick wall behind that. Let's not okay. forget that. Absolutely. All about player safety.
1: That's true. Illinois heads to Iowa in a game that I don't care
0: about. Um, you got anything on that? It feels like an, feels like an Illinois win. Really, With as stupid as, stup- wow, so, as stupid as their season has been. Yeah, yeah. Well, here, here's I the they'll lose by a thousand. It's one of the two. Here's the thing:
1: I, I think Iowa is. Which, by the way, if you notice their ranking,
0: yep, number 20, right. twenty. It's a sweet spot. Uh, really?
1: Risky Iowa.
0: Home state taxes. Iowa ranked between 18 and 22. We
1: missed you, Iowa. Here's here's the funny thing. There's like a uh, a two way whatever doesn't matter what the tie is in the in the Big Ten West. Wisconsin already beat Iowa, so so they have the tiebreaker in that head to head. Wisconsin loses a game. It's Iowa goes to the Big Ten championship. Iowa's I'm sorry, they're bad. They are not. Yeah. But but here's the thing. Nebraska heads to Wisconsin this week. That's my OPE game. I like Nebraska there. They've had a week off. They got a vote of confidence from their coach. They know he's their coach, at least for next year. I don't think Nebraska is three and seven bad. I think they're more like six and three. I think Nebraska
0: is going to make this one interesting.
1: I think Nebraska win, might even win this.
0: It's going to be horrific to watch. <laughs> Because both do. of these offenses, you say what you want about them getting better. They're both the worst units for both teams. Yeah. And Wisconsin's defense, like you said, been playing lights out. Nebraska's defense, I think, is super talented. And both of those offenses are terrible. So, yeah. I think Wisconsin I, uh,
1: looks ahead. I think Wisconsin looks ahead and and is, has their eye on Goldie. I think, I think Nebraska is better than they are. And I and it, all of a sudden, going into the final weekend, Iowa will have the inside track to the Big Ten West title, which is oh, wow. embarrassing. Just On, God. God,
0: can we get there, please? God damn it, that would be so
1: awesome. <laughs> at Indiana, um, this should be a layup. Uh, Indiana's given up; they're done.
0: They had three players throw ten-plus passes last week. That's typically bad. Tom Allen,
1: just, if you want to throw passes for Indiana this week, just show up at the stadium. Illinois. Just
0: make it a pizza party. Don't make <laughs> your players play. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> bring pizza. Bring, or offer pizza to everybody that comes to the game, please.
1: Michigan travels to Maryland and that game's on the Big Ten Network. Michigan a 15-point favorite, 2-30 in the afternoon.
0: Um, I'll say this. Can yeah. I say something about this game? I want you to. Maryland is a big enough chaos team Mm-hmm. That this and this is a big enough chaos, big enough chaos spot mm-hmm. that this is an opish game to me. No, I do not think Maryland. Uh, just hear me out. Okay. I don't think Maryland's good. No, but the the aesthetics of this game are a few a few things that people are just sort of overlooking. Michigan is. Yes, they came back and won end. This is a mentally weak team. It's they, a mentally weak program. It's a chicken program. It's a puddle program. They, Ooh, they, 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 Jim Harbaugh is still complaining about calls from two weeks ago, which is so the bad. antithesis of what you're supposed to do as a head coach. You can be upset, write as many letters as you want, talk to whoever you want. You don't say that in the media. You're building excuses in for your players. And so they're always looking around for flags and ways to be bailed out. It's a loser's mentality. And you wonder why they haven't been able to cash in in big moments historically throughout their time with Jim Harbour as a head coach because of reasons like this. Mm-hmm. Um, again, credit to them for fighting back and scoring at the end of last week's game against an unranked Penn State team. That's great. Um, but if you think they're not looking ahead to this game against Ohio State, you're, you're insane. They are looking, they have been looking for, they are 100% looking ahead. They have to go on the road. Mm-hmm. Maryland is. I, what I'll say about them against Michigan State is they were two mistakes. I mean, they were tongue, they were too fast, too furious, two intentional groundings, and one really bad red zone interception away from that being a very real game. And then putting up thirty five ish points again. Not and Michigan's obviously the more talented team. I'm sure they'll run the ball a billion times down Maryland's throat. But Maryland is a stupid enough, weird enough, chaos enough team that if they were to somehow find a way to jump out to like a 14 nothing lead out of nowhere, I think this game gets interesting for, for Michigan. I think Michigan wins, don't get me wrong. But this one, I don't think you – I haven't heard anybody saying, uh-oh, trap, because like, I don't think it's a quintessential trap game. But I think it should be given a little bit more attention than it's being given right now.
1: I, that's very fair. And Maryland, five and five, needs to pick up a win to go bowling. You know, we, hey. we mentioned they're a bowl team. We're on a crash course for Maryland versus Rutgers for the mm. for both five and six. That oh. that is almost assuredly happening. But you know, who's to say uh, Rutgers doesn't steal one from a Penn State team that has nothing to play for? Who's to say that hey. you know Maryland? says, why not right now make a program win? Like Loxley's got there is talent on that roster, not nearly at Michigan's level. Do not get me wrong. There they got a few guys. As you mentioned, they're there are a few plays away, but that's just Maryland football. They're always right. a few plays away. So that leads us to a segment we've never had before and we'll go quickly. But it just because we've never had it before and I'm a I I don't know if we'll ever have it again. A Heisman, the fact that we get to talk about Heisman candidate, Kenneth Walker III, who not just is a candidate, a leading candidate, because the media is seemingly on his side. The media appreciates how good he special he is, whereas it's a little more difficult to prop up Bryce Young, Alabama's quarterback, CJ Stroud, Ohio State's quarterback, who are having phenomenal years. Do not get me wrong. But I think the media looks at that and says they're kind of, they're kind of propped up a little bit by it's some mm-hmm. incredible athletes around them. Whereas Kenneth Walker is doing a lot of heavy lifting and, mm-hmm. you know, Matt Corral and Kenny Pickett are both absolutely Heisman candidates. But at this point in time, it's hard for me to see either of those guys breaking into the top three. and. Yeah. Unless they just put up some 500-plus yard game. Like, I don't know what they'd
0: have to do. But it doesn't even matter, I don't think, for those two. Like, like to to Uh me, they don't have have the stage. Like, at this point... Programs. Because they don't have the programs either, right? I think it's the stage. I mean, at this point, we're talking about Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan State, which is weird to mention those three in the same breath. But... I mean, Bryce Young still has has incredible numbers, and if he goes out and, you know, uh, beats Auburn, he's still got games against Auburn and Georgia on the schedule. You better believe that if they find out, if he puts up big big games, and they beat Georgia, he's going to find his way there. Same for C.J. Stroud. He's got games against Michigan State and Michigan and then potentially a Big Ten championship out there. If he goes up and lights it up, you know, if both of those things happen, it'll be a two-horse race between the two of them. It's, I, However, tennis, Kenneth Walker is very much in this discussion, though. I mean, if. if, if Where are their games again? So, well, if he were. Yeah, again, exactly. Against Ohio State and Penn State, and then, you know, maybe more after that. I think ultimately, if they lose to Ohio State, he's probably not going to win it. Even if he goes out and has a huge game. Like, assuming one of these other two quarterbacks. It, it, like, let's just say Stroud has this massive game. And then they beat Michigan. He'll it's gonna you. be like a. It's gonna be a very like Mark. If you remember that your Mark Ingram won it, it was because like nobody else was that good. Like I remember when he won, people being like, "Really? Like really? Like he oh, would it, he won? Hey. Kaisa? Um, yeah. And guess what? Kenneth Walker's Kenneth Walker's having a better season than him and Derrick Henry at this point. Just for the record. Um, He's been remarkable, almost 1,500 yards and like 17 touchdowns to this point. I, listen, if he goes out and has 150 and two touchdowns against Ohio State, which it is not unreasonable to think that he can do, by the way, just with, with the way their defense is played, he, he's got a shot. I mean, if they were to somehow win, if they go to the Big Ten championship game, I mean, he's – I guess my final point on this is, whichever one of these three guys' teams does yeah. the best, I think that's who ultimately wins. And that's how it should be because whoever's team does the best will in all likelihood be doing it because of one of, you know, these three guys. So uh pretty incredible company. I will say what this does from a publicity standpoint, Mm -hmm. from a recruiting standpoint, from a program marketing standpoint is Mm -hmm. from a, from a guy getting drafted higher, having the words Heisman finalist, like, associated with the program like that is that is a level that I I didn't ever really anticipate Michigan State getting to. I I mean I'd be, i just never really saw it coming and it's I will say the one thing you have to give Kenneth Walker over any either of these other guys and again I think it all is really kind of starting now. He's got Heisman moments. He's got at yeah. least he's he's got the dapping up speedy nailer on the 93 yard touchdown run which was Awesome. Mm-hmm. And then he's got the game against Michigan. I mean, that's a very, that's a, that's a, I'm not going to say good because we don't use that word, but it's a not bad team. And he yeah. had five touchdowns and 150 something yards. Just carried Michigan State to that win. And you're right. Like, man. it's there for him. He's
1: special. He's, he's a generational running back for Michigan State. He's someone that comes around every, 30, 35 years, right? If you're lucky.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Basically what happened, I guess, you know, Lorenzo White, uh, back in the mid-80s. So, it's right there. He's right there. And you mentioned recruiting. It, recruiting now doesn't just mean high school. It means transfer portal. Oh yeah. And if you don't think that you can translate, I mean, think, of, and think about all the people that are going to hit the transfer portal. Who are they calling
0: first? Mel. Right? They're calling Mel. Oh my God, he's Man. the transfer portal guy now. That's what I'm I mean, seeing. that's the beauty. That's the beauty of what Kenneth Walker, amongst many others, and that's the beauty of what he Crouch, Kimbro, Ronald Williams. I mean, there there are a, a shit. You could even go. It's not. It wasn't a Mel guy, but uh, Jaden Reed.
1: Jaden Reed, sure.
0: I, I mean, it's it's the the amount of success that he's been able to to have has been incredible, and now he's. Portal, we're Portal U, and there are guys, one name I'll, th- I'll float out there who was in on an official visit last weekend was former Wisconsin recruit four-star running back Jalen Berger, who, oh. uh, again, whoop, one of those guys who Saeed Khalif <clears throat> recruited and uh, was one of those top two or three recruits that they ever got, now in the transfer portal, was at Michigan State. Got to think he probably likes what he sees out of how the offense uses the running back. Just going to throw that out there.
1: Yep. So more fun to come in that. And stay tuned for recruiting news. I think there might be some more big stuff happening soon. Check out the Twitter feed. Okay, so we got to jump into this game. Biggest game of the year.
0: College football. Quick, wait. Oh, oh. Commercial break. Oh, my gosh. Yep. That's right. All right, three, two, one. We're back. Okay, it's time. Let's go. College game day,
1: Columbus, 11 a.m. ABC. You you tell us, you said it this summer, that this game has playoff implications. We say, yeah, probably Ohio State's probably in it. Yep. And you're like, no, no, for both teams. And we're like, oh, that's cool. Is there like a new invitational involved? Because surely Michigan State is not a playoff contender. Well, friends, the dream season continues. Spartans have been big underdogs in Columbus before and have come out on top. 1998 comes to mind, 2015 more recently. But this year, different team, uh, a team that probably won't be able to um, get as lucky with, with the weather to muck things up this Saturday. But who knows? There could be some D'Antonio voodoo that takes place and you know at the beginning of the year this was an automatic loss there's no way michigan state can compete with this ohio state team today i can i can map out for you how michigan state could win and that's something i could not hand on heart done
0: honestly 3 months ago yeah it's it's insane um this is the one I've had, like you said, circled in pen sharpie at the beginning of the year, saying 100% chance Michigan State will not win this game. But to your point, there is, it's not this foregone conclusion anymore. Now, again, I, I, Vegas might feel differently uh, because currently the line sits at Ohio State being favored by 19 points, nearly three touchdowns. That's a lot of points. A lot of points.
1: Um, I'll tell you though.
0: That, that's a lot of points.
1: Man. I'll tell you. That's a lot of points. And, and you know, do what you will with that information. And maybe, maybe they do cover, but 19 points translates to a 97.3% win percentage for, for college football. Okay. Computers, including ESPN's FPI team rankings, SV plus 538. Their average says there's a 13% chance that Michigan State, uh, wins this game. No, that, that's, uh, more of a 14 to 14 and a half point, um, underdog. So just take that with what it is. That's just what computers are saying. I will tell you, Austin, as you mentioned, that path for Michigan State to win is predicated on a couple of guys that didn't play against Maryland playing in this game. Yes. First and foremost, Cuevo Crouch, who the speed that is on Ohio State's team is unmatched. Unlike anything that MSU has played, even uh, undisciplined Miami can't match the speed that Ohio State has. You're going to need your fastest guys on the field, especially at the linebacker position. Cuevo Crouch is going to be relied on very heavily this game.
0: Yeah, he's a must-have. Uh, even in 80% of him is, is, is needed to be having. And, and I don't have any insider information. I know he was kind of like a game time decision for this last week. I've got a feeling that if it was a game time decision, they were never actually going to play him and save him for the following week, hoping that they could beat Maryland. They've managed to do it, relied on the depth. Um, you know, and it's just, you need, we've talked about it earlier in this podcast, but like, that that athleticism is, is, athleticism is needed not only to tackle the receivers that are going to get the ball in space, but to tackle the running back. I mean, Travion Henderson is a star. The running back for Ohio State is – is uh, the, tr- the true freshman is a freak. He's already over 1,000 yards rushing this year, 14 touchdowns not a lot in the Ohio State. What's that?
1: Not a lot of touches
0: not a ton of touches, only 141 carries. I mean, this dude just rips off chunks. That's what he does. He averages 7 yards a carry. I mean, that's how concerned you have to be with the uh, with the passing offense for Ohio State is that uh he's kind of the secondary portion. We've seen old Ohio State offenses where it was, you know, much more run focused. This offense is passing with a dash of running. And that passing comes from CJ Stroud, who is that could very very well be your Heisman uh finalist. He's completing almost 70% of his passes. Has 30 touchdown passes to only five picks over 3,000 yards. I mean, he's um, he's lighting it up. I think what's come back to hurt him, and the only games that they've had that have been even remotely close have been uh, when he has made mistakes. I mean, if you look at the game against Nebraska, that they still ended up winning by nine. He threw two interceptions, also ended up throwing for over 400 yards. Um, against Oregon, threw an interception. They ended up losing that game. Minnesota, they gave up 31 points. He threw a pick. Same type of deal. Um, now, the only two picks he's thrown since uh, September 18th were in that Nebraska game. So he doesn't make a ton of, a ton of, ish, a ton of mistakes. Um, now, w- one thing I will say is, you know, we'll talk, let's keep talking about their offense. Uh, Personnel-wise, their receivers are absurd. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that might be, to me, the craziest thing about this team. Is, so when you think of this team, you think of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, right? Like, those are the first two guys that jump out at you. They are second and third on the team in receiving receptions and yardage. Their highest reception, uh, their player with the most receptions and the most yardage is Jackson Smith and Jigba. That isn't fair. That mm. shouldn't be allowed. I think we should ban... Ban that. Get rid of it. That's insane. Um, Olave has 11 touchdowns. He's he's a huge red zone target. And honestly, they make huge plays outside of the red zone all the time. Garrett Wilson uh, might be the first wide receiver selected in this year, upcoming year's draft. He's a star. Uh, but Smith and Jigba, again, big play guy, is a 75 yard touchdown to his name, uh, an absolute star. So this team's skill position wise is absolutely loaded.
1: So, Austin, this, you know, <laughs> weirdly, it is uh, something that the MSC's defense is going to try and, and can take advantage of the containing of it. And that, that's mm-hmm. such a sentence. But think of it this way. MSC is going to say, Trevion Henderson is not going to beat us. And they say that to mm-hmm. every running back. Okay? You're not going to pop a big one on us. And, and your quarterback has to be comfortable throwing the ball 50 times a game. Bad news, C.J. Stroud can and does, and is really mm-hmm. good. Well, the big takeaway here is, if M.S.U. is not letting Trevian Henderson beat you, they still have a shot. If Trevion Henderson is <laughs> ripping off big yardage, I don't even know, man. <laughs> I don't, I don't see a path. But that's step one. You know, take that away. Step two, nothing over the top. CJ is going to have 450 yards passing this game. That's happening. Okay. Yep. That's happening. Now it's got to, you, all the athletes you described, the unfair embarrassment of riches of athletes they have is just going to, MSC's defense is going to say, keep it in front. You're going to get your yardage in chunks and we're going to play the second. There are two games on defense. The game before the red zone, which you, 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 <laughs> It's a win if they get to the, if they didn't score before getting to the red zone. And you get to the red zone, then the second game happens, and you're playing to hold them to a field goal. Also, not great news. Ohio State's fantastic in the red zone, so that's where you then you start to unleash uh, you know the, the, those corner blitzes, um, the, the exotic packages. And, and this this game, I think you're going to start to see Michigan State's. Defense start to break some trends and tendencies with those corner blitzes because some of them are becoming a little obvious. If, if, if they're becoming a little obvious to fans, then that's bad. So that's going to get cleaned up. You're going to see some funny new looks and, and try and make CJ Stroud uh, have to make a quick decision. And, and when CJ Stroud, he, he is fantastic, but Austin, he's still a freshman and makes freshman mistakes. He screws up. He did it uh, against Nebraska. Uh, more than once in club crunch time, he, he messed around, um, against Purdue even. And before that, um, he, he just left a few things to be desired against Penn State. Ohio State's fantastic on offense. And Michigan State's going to have to contain, keep it in front of them, hold on for dear life in the red zone. And, and when CJ Stroud does make that mistake, it has to be, you have to make them pay. It, it, you have to make points out
0: of it. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no settling for field goals. And I yeah. I do think one thing is that Stroud, while he has certainly settled in more as the year has, has gone yeah. on, um, I I think the numbers – listen, at the end of the day, he has three future NFL yeah. – potentially three first-round draft picks uh, as his main receivers. They're great after the catch. The offense is designed incredibly well to get him – uh, making easy throws down the field. Listen, he's playing in a loaded team. So, you know, you do have to sort of take what he does with a slight grain of salt because when you watch him, he doesn't always look like he's the most confident. He doesn't always deliver the ball, you know, with that level of you know, what you might get from a junior or a senior um, with a ton of experience, because he's still a very inexperienced player. This is his first season as a starter, and I think it's fair to say this will be um, the biggest game of his career to this point. Uh, and that shouldn't be lost on anybody either. Now, um, he's obviously very talented and he has a ton of talent around him. He's been playing really well. So you can't count on that, you know being a big reason why you may or may not win, but it is a fact it's certainly something to be uh, considered. And to your point when he makes those mistakes, Michigan State cannot settle for field goals. They cannot turn the ball over on their own. They cannot do things that they have done in other games. They have to score touchdowns. They have to, if at all possible, try to control the clock. And I'm taking these things away from not only just sort of like, you know, common sense football watching, but I'm looking back at what Oregon did. The only team to beat Ohio State. And, again, this was Stroud's in a third game as a starter. But if you look at his box score, he threw for 484 yards and three touchdowns and only one pick. It's hard not to look at that. C. Smith and Jigba with seven catches for 145, two touchdowns. Olave with 12 for 126. Garrett Wilson for 8, 117, and 1. It's hard not to look at that and think, holy crap, he had a great day. His team only scored 28 points. Yep. And they only ran the ball for 128 yards. What Oregon did defensively, Mm-hmm. is what Michigan State, actually on both sides of the ball, but defensively especially to me is really interesting because they made Stroud throw the ball 54 times. I think that's the second or third of most he's thrown the entire season. So they made him be relatively inefficient, all things considered. Um, they forced him into a mistake, and they were able to slow uh, the running game down. In those things, the longest rush that Ohio State had in that day was 21 yards. If Michigan State can do that alone, I think that's a big win for them. So copying that defensively, I think is going to be, going to be huge. You're going to be looking at a box score. No matter what the end score is here, these stats for the receivers are probably going to be relatively similar to be honest with you. Um, Now, if you look at the other side of the box score and we look at what Oregon did offensively, they ran the ball 38 times. Now, including the quarterback, Anthony Brown did run 10 times. Christian State has not done a ton with Peyton Thorne. So that's a different uh, angle here. But they ran for 269 yards and three touchdowns. That does include a 77 yard over C.J. Vertel. But Ohio State hasn't stopped the run super effectively this season. Uh, and obviously that fits in well with what Michigan State does as an offense. So luckily for MSU, it's actually very diverse offense. But um, teams can run the ball on Ohio State. Yep. And if you look at what Oregon did, they not only did that, Anthony Brown, and I remember watching this game, he actually missed some really bunny throws, but completed about half his passes, 236 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. To me, that that is a stat line that, honestly, um they're going to need – Peyton Thorne's going to have to try to replicate, if not improve upon. And if you look at this game, it's actually not even necessarily a good example. But one thing that if, if I'm Michigan State, especially – maybe not especially early or especially at any particular time, you you have to do everything you can to control the clock in this game. Ohio State is, and I mean that more offensively than defensively, I think the way that they scheme defensively actually, um, despite what you saw against Maryland, it actually lends itself to controlling the clock because you force teams to run more plays on the average drive. And again, if you can limit those big explosive plays from from Ohio State and slow down the running game, you're probably going to keep them below what they could be putting out. They're probably not going to put up these you know massive, massive games on. You. you might be able to keep them in you know the 30s uh, somewhere. Um, that's the goal, anyways. And so, if you can do that defensively, you're you're putting yourself in a position where you can at least give yourself a shot. Offensively, running the ball, there's a, we saw it back, and this is a, these are two very different teams. But when Michigan State went in there, Michael Geiger kicked the walk off field goal. You know, did the windmill. The way Michigan State won that game again, weather surely helped. They ran the ball. They controlled the clock. They limited the amount of time that Ohio State had to mm-hmm. score. To and they limited their amount of time to make mistakes. So like all of these things together are are really similar to what MSU's got to try to do. You have that Heisman candidate at running back. If you can use him. Use him. If you're running him, feed the beast. If not, pivot quickly. But you can't pivot into just throwing the ball 60 times of the game, because that plays right into, their, right into what they want to do. Um, I think MSU would be really wise to, and we've seen it recently, get Kenneth Walker the ball in space as much as possible, try to throw the ball out to him a little bit. Um, this would be a really good name for Speedy Naylor to come back and give MSU that level of athleticism they haven't had without him out there. Um, it's a winnable game. But man, it would be, yeah, it would be a hell of a win. <laughs> I'll put it that way.
1: So bad news, Ohio State. Uh, fantastic rushing defense, giving up about okay. hundred and six yards. A game. Good news, so I was wrong. Good, good news, Mich- Michigan State um, would be smart to give the Heisman candidate twenty plus rushing touches, and, and probably mm-hmm. more. Probably more. But but what I'm going to say is they got to find other ways too. You saw you saw Kenneth Walker struggle against Maryland. He didn't struggle. I think the offensive line was struggling. And Maryland is not a good def- r- rushing defense. If it's not there, and, and don't get me wrong, Kenneth Walker has a lot of <laughs> home run in him, even when the play is not <laughs> designed a certain way. Don't get me wrong. I, Michigan, or excuse me, Ohio State's defense is so athletic that, you know, those, those cutbacks, those things will be there and he can get yardage out of them. They just won't be home runs. That's okay. Um, but, but I think my whole point is you're going to get him touches and everyone can be a home run. That's great. We've got to find other ways to get him the ball too. Um, and, and, you know, Ohio states, as you mentioned though, their passing defense is not good and not by design. And when I, obviously Michigan state's pass defense is not designed to be bad. It's designed to, as we already uh, went in at in depth. Ohio State's not doing that, okay? Ohio State's just straight up struggling. And so this is a game where you're going to have to just lean on your your best players. Jaden Reed is going to have to have an, a, a day that we talk about for decades. It's going to have to happen. Um, he's going to have to put up 100-plus yards. He's going to have to match or have as good a game as one of the Ohio State wide receivers. Um, and then you talk about the athleticism on, on their defense. These guys are 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 not um, great yet, but they've come so far since the beginning of the year when Kerry Combs was was calling the defense and they were really struggling um, and losing to to Ohio State and, and you know not looking great against Minnesota. They have come a long way, but the opportunity Michigan State has is you mentioned um, we have a few guys that may not have it all put together quite yet, but athlete for athlete can, can match Ohio state. And those guys are Malik Carr, Kim Coleman, and on defense tank Brown, who got, who saw snaps in Maryland. It doesn't mean that they're going to come and have fantastic games, but but you can't expect to win these games. You know, I don't want to call out names. It's not worth it, but, there are some guys that probably just, I don't see a world where Michigan State to, can win if, 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 as an example, we said Quavo Crouch is starting, if, is not starting, is not playing. If, uh, you know, Jaden Reed can't play for whatever, reason, whatever, Kenneth right. Walker goes out with an ankle. It, it's tough. You got to have as many athletes out there as you can. Michigan State has a couple that haven't been used yet.
0: I think you start to
1: see those even more.
0: Yeah. I mean there's gonna also have to be well, I think the the key players in this one, I mean you know, Peyton Thorne's gonna have to have arguably the best game of his career. And he's been playing really well of late. Thank Kenneth great. Walker's gonna have to make big contributions. Jaden Reed, to your point, kind of the MSU's big three to this point are all gonna have to play their best game of the year. Um another receiver is gonna have to make a plays. Someone. Trey Mosley's been rock solid this entire right. year. Some on Torrey Foster make a big play. You said Keon Coleman, Malik Carr. Someone's got to do it. Maybe even more importantly than that, MSU's got to have answers for when Ohio State's front four is getting home. Because that is a really athletic front four, front seven. Um, And they they can't be taking sacks. I guess really my whole point here is that this is one of those games where you talk about the inches and you talk about what – good teams do to win games. MSU needs to do all, just play their best game of comprehensive football that they have played all year. That means big punts from and great punt coverage from Bryce Baringer. That means uh, cashing in on touchdowns instead of kicking field goals. That means winning the turnover battle. That means trying to control the clock. That means uh, getting off the field on third and long. I mean, that means holding M- uh, Ohio State to a field goal uh, once or twice instead of letting them score touchdowns. touchdown. All those little things, that means no stupid penalties. You know, all of these things, MSU's path to victory is, is narrow. It's there. It's bigger than I thought it was going to be, but it's still very narrow. And in order to fit that and walk that razor's edge, those peripherals, those things that happen on the margins can't happen. They have to go in Michigan State's favor in order to win this game because, again, Ohio State lost the game. But they lost the game at home by a touchdown to another team that's number three in the country. And that is unanimously looked at as, if not good, certainly not bad. Um, And that's it. That's all they've lost. Yeah, they've had some quote-unquote close games. They've won them all by almost double digits. Like, this is is what was looked at as a shoe-in for the college football playoff at the beginning of the year. And certainly, at this point, looks the part that could make it now. Now, again, Michigan State can win this game; they absolutely can win this game. But in order to do so, they have to play very close to perfect football. I think it's doable, but it's yeah. The path the path is is wider than we thought, but still certainly narrow.
1: Here's the the final thing I will get on the board. One thing is that if Matt Coughlin is is still hurt, it obviously is is not a good thing. But if you take away the opportunity to kick field goals, it forces you to be more aggressive. And going for it on fourth down, you know, at the thirty yard line, you got to score points to beat Ohio State, man. So. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if Coughlin is playing. You, you settle for field goals. I, I, you're not going to win that track, me. So there's, I'm silver lining you there. It doesn't mean you score just sure. like going for it on fourth, but it forces you to start thinking about the offense differently. You know, you're starting to think about it's third and eight. I don't need to get them all here because I'm going for it on fourth. Yeah. Right. You start to think about four opportunities instead of three. That's a different way of thinking. Something that Ohio State, frankly, is probably, would take anyone by not surprised, but it's, it's different. The other thing is Ohio State's getting a score. They're going to get, this is a team that is going to touch 550 plus yards this game. Even if Michigan State were to pull it out. That's happening. Okay. But. The, the culture, what Mel Tucker has been preaching all year, is perfect for a game like this. The keep chopping mantra is perfect. This game's not over. It's not done. They scored. Keep chopping. They're moving the ball. Keep chopping. We had a turnover. Keep chopping. Like, you're holding on to your butts this whole game just to hang on for dear life. There's no better w- mental attitude that needed to be instilled prior than Keep chopping because they're gonna get theirs. You can't think about it. Move on, get it back, and that is one of the main reasons I think MSU has a shot is because they get punched in the face and and, and they're still in the middle of the ring waiting on you. That that's what we love about this team. So they might lose, but Ohio State's gonna leave this game and say, "Damn that that." that MSU squad, that green and white team, came to play. And Kenneth Walker, no matter how many great players Ohio State has, has on their team on both sides of the ball, Kenneth Walker might be the best player on the enti- in the entire stadium. You have that in your back pocket. So it's never over with him on the team.
0: Yep. Amen. I, I agree with you. This is, uh yeah, keep chopping. I mean to to your point they haven't quit yet. They're not going to quit now. Um that's who this team's identity is. I just think there you're going to you're going to see a team competing until the bitter end of this game. Um and against my better judgment I will be in the stands. So oh uh-huh, boy. I'm trying to bring rain with me. Uh I'll certainly bring energy and if you're going to be there, you know, hit me up. I don't want to make a complete ass of myself in front of everybody, but if I have to and it'll bring a win, then, then that's just what I'll do.
1: We need it. Austin, you got to make up ground for missing the last two pods. So this is a good, really good point.
0: Really good point. Really good point.
1: Tell them, tell them the plan. I think we deserve we, we got to share.
0: So okay. People might do it too. Well, yeah. It, if Michigan State leads at any point during this game, there's a specific graphic that we – do it, do it at the beginning of the
1: game. Don't even have to be. Leaving.
0: Yeah. It, it Maybe it'll be at the beginning of the game. Maybe not. Find your favorite Mel Tucker meme. We've got a few. We'll tweet them out. Uh, and just airdrop it to anybody in the neighborhood uh, near you if you are in attendance at the game. Yep. There's specifically one that's the cover of a Drake album that says, if you're reading this Tuck comment. Um. Yeah. I think if we could all do that at the beginning of the game or after Michigan State, if they go up at all, just to drop, airdrop that to all of the Buckeyes around you would be pretty uh, pretty good. Keep on keeping eye on social media for more on that.
1: It's a good troll, you know, and that's the goal is, um, you know, we're going to win the troll game. That's for damn sure.
0: If nothing else, win or lose, we troll.
1: <laughs> Austin, let's go get the, a win against Butler this week and then uh, turn around and take the next step towards the college football playoff.
0: Amen. All right guys, extra long one this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh thanks as always for sticking with us. For John, this has been Austin and we'll catch you next week. See you.